Oh. I thought I was driving the whole thing. Oh my goodness. It includes the entire start. You go for it. You go for okay, it. Okay. Well, welcome back to another episode of Mac and D podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy D. Mac, how you doing, bud? I'm doing amazing. I saw a tweet right before this reminding me of the fact that the Lions drafted Jameer Gibbs over Christian Gonzalez. So I was better and I'm a little bit worse. But now we're talking sports and that's all I need in my life, honestly. So. And the important part, too, is this wasn't even a tweet by me. I feel like I'm the one that rubs it in the most of anyone. Yeah, I mean, he was right for the taking at number 12. We need a corner. We're going to talk about that here in a bit whenever we start talking about this Lions-Falcons matchup. But it's going to be ugly, man. We, we we can't keep making these catastrophic mistakes early in the first round. When was the last time the Lions had a good pick in the top 10? I, I can't think of it. Calvin, Calvin Johnson? Johnson? Yeah. It, it, I said, it wasn't Eric Ebron, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I, I'd say Hawk, Hawk was a good pick. It was what, like, that was a number nine overall or something, wasn't it? Yeah, eighth overall. If you look at the guys who are on the board, though, that still hurts. We could have had Ed Oliver and a bunch of other people, but I digress. I digress. Yeah, so I'd say, honestly, usually we're not seeing as big of a news week once the season's actually going. I mean, there's injuries that happen, but like there's just all sorts of news today. Uh, We'll start with the most important one. Uh, Chubb becomes flaccid, right? Chubb out for season, potentially career. That injury was absolutely brutal. They wouldn't show it on the replay on ESPN. Someone leaked uh, the actual play on Twitter, and it was gruesome. Did you actually see how much his knee shifted? I wasn't watching the game, and honestly, I was pretty happy I wasn't because both first halves, talking Saints, Panthers, Steelers, Browns, were abysmal. No offense was happening at all, so I was glad I wasn't watching. And then I was doubly glad that I wasn't watching once I saw that there was a catastrophic Chubb injury. I love Nick Chubb. This really hurt my heart. And then I went on Twitter, and the very first thing that Elon Musk shoved in my face was a replay of the injury. And once it starts, you know, you can't look away. It's like plane crash happening. You got to watch it all the way through. And oh my God, that had to have been the worst knee injury I've ever seen since the Nick Chubb injury that he had when he was at Georgia in 2015. I, honestly, I was going to say something to that effect, right? It reminds you of the Nick Chubb. Ooh, what are we cracking over there? You said you're hammering energy drinks. Uh, a nice Celsius sponsor okay. us. It's oh, wow, uh, the peach mango green tea. Oh, you're fancy. Uh, but the Nick Chubb injury uh, obviously was brutal. You think to like Frank Gore that like just roll over where the leg just like flops because the knee gets so so messed up. I mean, like you really see these these types of injuries once once a season at most. And thankfully, because it is just disgusting when it happens we, we just hope he can get back um and play again for his sake i mean he's just such a, an electric player a, a real leader in that cleveland locker room this one's gonna hurt uh their, their team's definitely struggling right now defense obviously is firing on all cylinders but that offense needed a nick chubb figure and and they just don't have him now yeah, I mean, you can't beat that figure, that nice chubby figure. I, I was talking about the injury with a girl at work, and she honestly had a pretty good point. Given that we've seen Nick Chubb with that catastrophic injury in 2015, and then he bounced back and became, I would argue, one of the best running backs we've had in the last decade. I, I think that his efficiency really puts him over the top compared to a lot of other top running backs. He, he never really had a stranglehold on a backfield, and he still did all the impact that he had. Anyway, um, but given the injury that he had in 2015, he bounced back from it. And then he has this injury. Maybe he's just a flexible dude. Maybe like, you know how some people have like their elbows can kind of just like bend the wrong way 
for whatever reason, or they can just like really move their hands and their fingers real well. Maybe Nick Chubb is just one of those guys and he's just, you know, a flexible, bendable person. I don't know. I, I hope I hope that's the case, but we'll see. I, I hope that's the case. I got to say, you, you started with possibly one of the best takes I've heard in a while, which giving Nick Chubb props for being, uh, you know, a top running back of this decade. He, I don't think he gets enough credit. Followed by one of the dumber takes I've heard in a while, just hoping he's Mr. Fantastic, just extra bendy, and he bends right back into shape. So you got to love that quality analysis here at Mac and D. Uh, yeah. But just stemming from Chubb, uh, I mean, God, it took, what, 45 minutes for them to get Kareem Hunt on the phone? He is already back in Cleveland. The irony being Cleveland didn't want to pay him, uh, not even backup running back money, and now they're paying him more than the Patriots are paying Zeke, more than... I mean, all sorts of people. I mean, I guess, sorry, Zeke's contract is up to six. Kareem's up to four, but um, it, so I mean, they're they're paying him a pretty good chunk of money for for running back, who we've you know talked all off season of getting basically nothing. Uh, how do you feel about this pickup? I I think it obviously makes the most sense. He's probably the only person out there that could just run right into this offense and not skip a beat. Dude, I didn't realize how much they paid Cream Hunt. Yeah, you're right. It's up to $4 million, which is pretty insane. But yeah, they he, I'm sure he kind of had them over a barrel and could ask for whatever he wanted because it's him and Leonard Fournette were the only two quality guys on the market. Um, fire up the jersey swap cannons. Get 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 uh, Cream Hunt and a Browns jersey. We need that picture ASAP. Uh, I don't hate this pickup for them. I think that having only one other running back on the roster right now, which is kind of cruel irony given how deep they were in the past. I think they had Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson. It felt like every single time that there was an injury, they had that next man up mentality, and now they're super shallow. Um, it's it's just him and uh, Jeremy Ford. Is that you pronounce it? Or Jerome Ford? Jerome Ford. I believe. Is it Jerome? I don't know. Jeremy sounds cooler. I don't know. And so, yeah, I think this is an interesting pickup. I think that Ford is very much so still the RB1, and Hunt will just kind of be that change of pace kind of spelling Jer- Jerome Ford in a lot of ways. Uh, and Ford has been looking really good. Obviously had like a big long run in week one that really kind of propelled him to a decent week. And then this past week in relief was very, very solid as well. So I personally busted my fab budget to get Jerome Ford. I thought it was worth it once we saw the news and given the way that the Browns are playing right now, where Sean Watson couldn't hit the broadside of a barn right now. I think that they're going to continue to have to force feed their running backs in order to be a productive team. I, I think Kareem is, is a good pickup still, especially, you know, we've talked in our league, which is just a normal 12 team league. There's nothing unique about it. It feels like the, it's just absolutely just devoid of running backs, right? I mean, almost every team feels wide receiver heavy and running back light. Kareem Hunt feels like an easy guy to at least have depth you know, after a week or two, because some of his best games were still with Nick Chubb in. So you figure him plus four, it, it's going to be the cream hunt we've known for the last four years. It's not like, oh, well, Nick Chubb's out of the, or, you know, in the way or out of the way, etc. Like, no, the, the cream hunt has always played that second fiddle back, but he's excelled at it. And, you know, with Deshaun not playing his best, maybe he's going to be looking for more dump off passes just to get some rhythm. And, and I think cream hunt really benefits from that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I have multiple leagues, too, where I have Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley. So this is the worst week of all time for me. What do you think of Saquon and his new backup, Matt Breda, former Niner, former Dolphin, bunch of teams that he's been on? What what do you think of his potential now that Saquon's going to be out for Thursday night football? Yeah, here's the tough part. Short week for him to get ready, but also we've seen before 
Saquon goes down and it's not someone really picks up the slack for him. It's kind of like they just miss out on having Saquon make plays happen and they don't have a running game. Like I, I think honestly, Daniel Jones probably is going to be the lead rusher for the two or three weeks that Saquon's out. I, I would love to see a running back step in and, and, you know, produce, but it, you know, we've seen it since Saquon's been in the league, whoever his, his RB two happens to be when he goes down they just produced, I mean, an absolute nothing burger. And I feel like it's been Brita before, you know, he'll get 12 touches for 30 yards and then that's about it. it. You know, it's not very exciting. I'd like to see him produce before I throw him in the, in the lineup. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I don't even think he's worth a flex play this week. Uh, he really gives me Wayne Gallman vibes. You know, we're getting 20 carries for 40 yards and that's really about it. I honestly really like your call on Daniel Jones. I think they'll be looking at rushing production from other positions, whether that's quarterback or they could even do something funny and they could give Wendell Robinson some carries who was a running back slash wide receiver at Kentucky and at Nebraska. So that could be a kind of an interesting change of pace thing that they do in order to try and at least get a few yards against the Niners. Yeah. It, it could get real ugly on Thursday I, night. I think this honest. is going to be an ugly, an ugly Thursday night game. The, the Niners completely outclassed the Steelers. They completely outclassed the... I'm thinking... I can't even think who they just played. Uh, they Ram, played the Rams. They beat Rams. them by a couple touchdowns. I mean, the Rams hung around, but they the Niners just kind of took it over. I, I think they take this game over as well. Then yeah. speaking of Rams, trade away the assumed running back one in the offseason, but Kyron Williams just, I mean, took the job by force and Akers, you know, was looking like he was on his way out multiple times. And finally, Sean McVay gets his guy, which is off the team of Cam, you know, Cam Akers off the team. Um, I, I think it makes sense for Minnesota. They've gotten nothing out of Madison and Ty Chandler. Uh, the problem being, I think more of their woes are on the offensive line than they are on running back, as well as the fact that they've played two very tough run defenses. Do you do you like the Acres trade? I just think the timing is wild, given like all offseason long, Sean McVay had nothing but positive things to say about Cam Akers. He was like, oh, yeah, he was really good for us down the stretch. Really came back from injury really well. You know, we had all few problems within the locker room, but we all came back from that. And he is our RB1. And then two weeks in, they're like, haha, we're trading you. And we're not just trading you. We are trading you for a swap of 2026 picks. You know how far away 2026 is? It is 2023, my guy. Like, I didn't even know you were allowed to trade out picks that far out. That's like NBA-level trade. So very disrespectful to our guy, Cam Akers. I am very interested to see how the split turns out in Minnesota. Uh, it's going to be very, very weird because these are two really inefficient backs right now that are kind of plotting and don't do a ton for you in the passing game. Uh, so far, Cam Akers has zero catches on the season. I think Madison has like one so it's it's going to be a weird offense going on there but if anybody can do this and fix Cam Akers again back to his former glory it's Kevin O'Connell who is the coach there in Minnesota that he's getting reunited with so I, I'm not I've never been as big of a Cam Akers guy I know you've been bigger what, what do you think of his fit in this offense well and, and uh, O'Connell was a former LA guy right he's from that McVay tree mm-hmm. so I think that makes a ton of sense there probably a very easy deal handshake like hey it's you know what's the deal there is it just that Kyron's balling out that's the answer yes okay we'll take him um, you know familiarity Cam had some great years with Kevin O'Connell that was Kind of the, the year he tore his Achilles, you know, he is playing very well until that moment. So I think O'Connell has seen enough on tape to to feel comfortable bringing him in. That also means O'Connell doesn't feel too bad about his locker room presence, which I think would be the biggest concern with Cam mm-hmm. and with everything that's gone on in L.A. So uh, probably the right team to go to. It, I, the Really the big part here, you know, you talk about it being a pick swap, the, the timing, etc. It really just comes down to like 
if the Vikings had absolutely no plan at running back and they felt like they were a contender this year, why would you not just re-sign Dalvin Cook? I mean, was saving $4 million really worth it at the end to just have this absolute you know, musical chairs thing going on at the running back position? I get they're trying to play galaxy brain front office, but it really just looks like they've got egg on their face at this point. Yeah, definitely a weird thing. And like, yeah, like you said, it's not a ton of resources to go out and get cam makers, but still it's a, it's a head scratching move. And you would think that like the continuity of things would have been better by just keeping Dalvin cook. Who's really familiar in that offense and keeping him there instead. I maybe they just knew that Dalvin cook was freaking washed. I don't know if you've looked at Dalvin cook's stats this year, 17 carries <laughs> for 40 yards. That's all he has on the season in two games. And that's in a game where uh, one Aaron Rodgers got hurt and you were really relying on your running backs after that. And then two, you had Brees hall only getting four touches in a game. So very strange. I, I don't really know what Minnesota is doing, but it really feels like this is like their last gas effort before they do some sort of big blow up. If you're the, not to get too crazy with this, but if you're the Vikings, do you look at like doing like a King's ransom type trade with Justin Jefferson? I uh, know you have to keep Jeff- Justin Jefferson. Cause no matter what you get in return, it will never be Justin Jefferson. Three first round picks. No, it, this, the your best case scenario is one of those first round picks is eighty percent as good as Justin Jefferson. Four first round picks. I, I don't think any team has that capital. Maybe <laughs> I mean maybe after at that point you just say yeah, but you're also trading away Kirk. You're trading away Hawk. You're trading away everything that you've just signed this past few years. What if, what if the Bears come to you who are projected to have two first round picks in the top ten right now, their own in Carolina, and you're like, hey, we'll give you those two first round picks and another one in a future year. You're getting two bona fide top 10 picks and then another pick on top of that. I don't I mean, the, again, the thing is, it's like you're you're betting that Marvin Harrison Jr. is as good as the current best receiver in the NFL. Like, why not just keep the best receiver in the NFL at that point? I agree. It's just going to get real ugly in Minnesota really quickly whenever they get rid of Kirk Cousins. And then it's really just Addison and Justin Jefferson just trying to catch passes from Baker Mayfield next year. It's going to get real. Dude, ugly. I, I, we're going to I will have plenty of time to talk about that because you already highlighted the Vikings Chargers game later. So let's let's save some hot takes for that. I, the last piece of news. What What's the bigger news here? here? Uh, OK, so a team has a defensive coordinator that doesn't show up to a game. Not really sure what's going on there. A team has a defensive coordinator that gets his house raided by the FBI. A team has a quarterback that says it's the coaching and that's why I'm playing bad. Wait, let me take that back. I need to play better. But yeah, it is the coaching. Another source says it's everything wrong. Or what's the worst part that all four of those instances were the exact same team within a 24 hour span. Yeah, I went to work today and I've already put in like 35 hours this week, not to flex, but I, I've been working a lot this week. So I've kind of been a little out of the news as it's been coming out. But what happened to the Bears? It, this is such a strange thing to go down. There's also reports that their owner's house got raided, but then that got reversed. And now they're saying that like they found something on some laptop. Like I don't know what's happening right now. And I'm like, this is a team that we went into the season thinking that they could win eight, nine games, be interesting, kind of have some upsets. And then they're like, ah, you know what? No design runs for Justin Fields. And also we're all crazy and don't know how to act. And so I don't know what's really happening in Chicago. And as a Lions fan, it's it's straight comedy. I'm a fan. Yeah. So you're, you're still going to find a way to get screwed by the refs this weekend. But yes, it has to feel good for everyone in the NFC North outside of the Bears organization. So high level, their defensive coordinator stepped away for family reasons. Sunday was the the what publicly was stated. So Matt Eberflus called defensive plays come Monday. Nothing really comes out Tuesday. 
It looks like maybe he's resigning from the team. Everyone's like, oh, what's that all about? Wednesday morning, the FBI raids his home. They go, oh, I think he knew something was about to happen. Um, the, the rumors are basically the only thing that, or I guess really the only thing that makes sense that I've seen rumor wise is, is child porn, I guess would be kind of what makes sense for, you know, why an older gentleman would be getting his house raided by the FBI. And then to your point now, if that material is on laptops that are used at work, that would make sense why it, it was rumored how hall got raided, et cetera. Cause it's like, Hey, we have to find everywhere where this virus has been spread. And then again, you have in the background, Justin Fields saying, Hey, like I'm playing like a robot. I'm, you know, I'm trying to do what the coaches tell me, but I just need to play. And it's like, that is not a good look for a team that has had two horrible losses and you've been playing, you know, pretty, pretty poor. Yeah. And I think it really just kind of comes down to like the play calling and the types of plays that they're running it last year down the stretch. Justin Fields was getting three to four design runs per game this season. He has a combined three design runs in two games. So down to one and a half a game. If you're doing the math at home, it's a little weird that you would have a guy who almost led the league in rushing last year uh, for most rushing yards in a season for a quarterback. And you don't actually put up any play calls for him to run the ball. And so he doesn't really seem like he's in a rhythm. He's not getting that confidence that he needs, like shooting a free throw and seeing it go through the basket kind of thing. And it's really strange that that would be the choice that they go with. Yes, he has the best weapons of his career. He has some wide receivers that are really dynamic. But it feels like they just need to give him some gimmies just before he starts doing some of those longer passes. I mean, you'd think that maybe that that Claypool touch on the back of the end zone would have got him going. The problem is then you follow it up with getting a punt down in your own five and a pick six on a, just an awful back-to-back screenplay type call. I'm not going to be an apologist. Justin Fields is not playing up to NFL level play, but man, his play calling is doing him no help as well. Yeah. Maybe they're trying to go get Caleb Williams. It's not maybe, but then Caleb will just go back to USC for one more year and then become a bear, become a bear a year later. You don't think he'd actually do that. Do you? I don't know if you pump fake it enough, you can at least pick the team you're going to play on. I, I would have a hard time seeing a player do that nowadays. Like I feel like back in the day, there were so many franchises that were just like absolute dumpster fires. Like teams in the eighties in the NBA were trading like five first round picks at a time and had no future whatsoever. And they were just like down bad. I feel like nowadays we don't really have that as much. Like even like the Cardinals are at least frisky this year, you know, but. I don't know. Well, let's think about it, man. I mean, okay, Eli Manning goes to the Chargers. He might win one playoff game his whole career. He does that, his maneuver where he says, I'm not playing for them, don't draft me. Goes to the Giants, wins two Super Bowls. Uh, we think pretty, we think okay of Phillip Rivers. You know, he was a, a quarterback that never really got it done. No one thinks about the the draft day maneuver Eli did. They just call him three lie and, you know, <laughs> that kind of meme it up to Eli's potentially a Hall of Fame quarterback. Even, I, I mean, I still disagree with that, but he probably will be because he had success in New York, so. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't see an, an athlete, like I, I understand the, the desire to use everything in your power to give yourself the best situation. So you don't become a bear and your career goes into nothing. But at the same time, it's kind of like, look, everyone has to deal with this hand. Like you got to overcome your situation. Yeah. And there's only 32 teams. Like you can't piss off everybody, you know, by doing something stupid. I just feel like athletes every year threaten this, or like we hear rumors about it potentially happening, but we saw, we saw Eli Manning do it. We saw Steve Francis do it with the Vancouver Grizzlies in 99. But like, we don't really see it all that often. Like, I remember there being rumors about Joe Burrow with the Bengals when they were like 2-14, and 14, coming off a real bad season. And they were like, oh, yeah, I don't want to go there. And then within a year and a half, they're in this freaking Super Bowl. So I feel like people kind of overreact with that stuff personally. Yeah. 
So let's let's move on from news. I, I think we could talk about this week's news forever because it feels like wait. so much has happened. Oh, what? you don't want you don't want to talk about the the Matt Nagy Bowl that's coming up this week. We got the Chiefs and the Bears. Well, isn't each isn't other. that isn't that in our best matchups, which we're moving on to? Dude, I don't want to talk about the Bears anymore. <laughs> okay, so we got games to watch. Uh, various reasons all started off. Falcons Lions, I think, is a great matchup. We get to see if the Falcons are pretenders. We get to see if the Lions can get back to chewing kneecaps or if they were pretenders, you know, all emotion, no, no real substance there. Uh, I think it's a great matchup this week. I definitely would like to watch it. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, obviously I will be watching. I'll be sitting my ass down and enjoying every second of this game. Lions and Falcons have some beef. I don't know if you remember that golden Tate getting stopped on the one yard line and then the refs having the 10 second runoff the first season where that was a rule that first time it actually happened that ended up really screwing the lions. I I think that the lions have this relatively easily. I think the Falcons are kind of fool's gold at two and O right now. I don't think that they've been up to that billing. Uh, Desmond Ritter, if there's any week for him to start cooking, it's gotta be this week in the really, really porous Lions corners, which we'll talk about here in a little bit when we start talking about starts and sets. Not to mention, CJ Gardner Johnson tore his peck this week, as well as James Houston got hurt and got put on IR as well. So I think if there's any time for this Falcons offense to go off, it's this week. But I think the Lions are just like really dynamic and really finding a lot of interesting creative play calls to go down. I feel like we're going to get some Josh Reynolds runs in this game, which I'd be really excited about. Jameer Gibbs has got to do something this week. He's actually going to be the starter with Dave Montgomery going down. And I think just in general, Amon Ra is going to cook as long as he actually plays. Yeah, I I think you had a ton of points there. Um, you know, maybe I guess. Do you ever think like does does having Jeff Okuda help the Lions at this point, or is that just such a bad pick that we can just completely forget about it? Doesn't matter that he's on on the Falcons. Dude, yeah, it's a Jeff Okuda revenge game. Is Okuda even playing? Like I, I, I saw things. I don't think he's particularly fantastic. I just know that the Lions have absolutely no help at DB. Yeah. Okay. So he practiced this week. So he's probably going to play. Might get a little revenge, might go a little crazy. We'll see. But I mean, what's going to be more interesting for me is just looking at the distribution of the passes on the Falcons offense, because right now their leading receiver is Matt Collins. And it's like, how does that happen when you have all those other weapons on the team? So strange. Yeah, next game I, I picked out here is Pat's Jets. Patriots 0-2 right now have kind of had the Jets number for the last 10 plus years. Uh, I mean, this is absolutely a must-win game for the Patriots. I, if you drop to 0-3, and, and then I, I think you and I talked about their schedule coming up. I mean, they they don't have a cakewalk at any point this season. Um, they they got to start winning some games. They, they've lost two close games this year already, just not able to finish, even though they had the ball in their hands. You know, their, their own destiny in their hands. The, the thing that Patriots fans are so used to seeing go right for them just hasn't happened. Uh, just kind of the classic post-Brady era just is what it is. They got to win this game. Otherwise, you start 0 3, the the fire Belichick chants are going to start getting loud. Or not chants, but the, the rumors are going to get louder. Uh, people are going to keep turning on Mac, even though I, I think he's been producing, I mean, phenomenally this season for what he's got to work with. Um, it, it just, it, it could get really bad really quick. I, you know, you go 0 3, 0 4. At that point, what? Do you just like trade Judon, get some, get some picks? Like, what even happens, you know, if that's their start? Yeah, that'd be really tough if they did drop to 0-3. They really need to stay competitive in this AFC East because really quickly the Dolphins or the Bills could start pulling away a little bit. And if there's any time to catch the Jets, it's when they're down bad right now, still trying to reel from that Rodgers injury. 
I think that the play of Christian Gonzalez has been really encouraging. PFF, I know you don't like PFF, but they rated him the third best corner last week. Really showed on the field as well if you watched that game. So I think the defense, as long as they continue to keep them in games, they might have slightly better luck in the end of game situations. Last week just didn't quite pan out for them, but they were almost there. Uh, I think that this is a resounding Patriots win. I know we're not doing picks today, but I think that this is going to be their get right game. And I'm excited to see what Ramondre Stevenson does in this game against the tough, tough Jets yeah, front seven. Sure. Yeah, I, I think they they turn around here too. It, the offense has been promising. It's just maybe we keep getting those down by a touchdown, but we get the ball back and then we just do nothing with it. it it's very disheartening. Yeah, um, they need uh, they, they need a wide receiver just in general to like go they, crazy. I, know. In this game. I I like the guys on our team, but we're we're throwing out three wide receiver twos and hoping for the best. Like if we just had a guy, it would go so far. If if the Vikings need to trade Justin Jefferson, we're right there. <laughs> every every Devonte Parker target last week was just like so uninspiring. It was like, oh yeah, like he's Dude, actually he straight bodied. The chains, he got bodied by Howard for that interception. Everyone blames Mac. It wasn't the best throw. But if you watch the full like all twenty two clip of the film, Howard literally just stiff arms him, boxes his ass out, doesn't even let him jump for the ball, catches it, toe taps in like better than any pass receiver has this whole season, and just flexes on. Like it was just embarrassing for our big bodied 50 50 catch guy to just get embarrassed like that yeah it's crazy that hunter henry's the leading receiver on this team and it's 108 yards like that's one average justin jefferson half and that's two full games so we really need someone to step up there and it, it could be anybody it could be demario douglas it could be kajan Butte, it could be kendrick Bourne. it's a lot of options here but someone just needs to seize this and really be max number mm-hmm. one target in my mind yeah last game i want to highlight rams Bengals. um rams have been kind of promising so far this year if you know this, this is a game they win they're they're at two and one they're looking a lot better than where we thought they would be at this point and if the Bengals lose you start on three do you just do you shut burrow down like i mean like we've talked before with seven teams making the playoffs you, you don't have to panic as quickly as you used to but they've looked just bad in, in every game burrow hasn't looked himself they really need this game the same way the pats need their game against the jets yeah, I've been watching some replays of last week's game for the Bengals, and it was really strange seeing Jamar Chase just not be as dynamic at the point of catch that you normally expect. And yeah, if it's not Joe Burrow out there, it's um, who's their backups like Jake Browning or something at this point. Like it's going to be really, really ugly. Do, do you think Joe Burrow plays on Monday night? I, he has to. I mean, I get it. His calf is hurting, but you don't sign a contract as large as you did and then bow, bow down when things get going tough. Like he, he has to just kind of tore it all up and get out there and play some ball. Yeah. And it's wild. Cause like you would think that this was kind of a gimme game. Like obviously you have the emotional impact with this being a Super Bowl rematch and everything like that. But it feels like the Rams are just giving everybody their best shot. Even without cam Akers, we're getting Kieran Williams just going absolutely crazy. And he's been incredibly efficient with it with a massive volume of the overall snaps. He had 76 of the 80 snaps for the Rams this past week. The remainder going to Ronnie Rivers, our guy. And so I I think that they're going to continue to just give teams a bit of a kick in the mouth just because they're just always right there, just ready to make things happen. So uh, weird weird game. I I think if the Bengals fall to 0-3 with how good the AFC North is, just a just in general, even with the Steelers and Browns kind of being down bad right now, I think you're going to really start losing pace with the Ravens really quickly, and it's going to get pretty ugly for them. Yeah, then you've got this game, you know, speaking of Ravens, you want to talk about it? Yeah, I mean, I I just think this is an enticing game, more of a game to watch rather than like, oh yeah, this is going to be top tier football. 
if the Raven, if uh, Anthony Richardson plays, Ravens Colts is going to be a game to watch. Anthony Richardson was dealing last week before going out with a concussion. He had two rushing touchdowns in the first half. There was this one play where he was like trying to escape a couple pass rushers and ended up throwing like a pass out of bounds with his off hand. He had this left handed pass that was an absolute bullet. I'm like, dude, that had more power than the average Justin Fields pass. And that was with his off hand. It's pretty incredible to see. But Richardson has really surprised me with his poise and overall just accuracy whenever considering how raw of a prospect he was. And if the Colts continue to do what they did last week, which was stay on schedule with every single series, they actually might put up a bit of a fight against the Ravens. And they're a pretty fun team. So I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised with with Anthony Richardson. You you said it, you know, he was so raw there. There's highlights of him at Florida that are just unbelievable. You think of like the, the jumping fake 360 type throws followed by the low lights that make you like think, does this guy even play junior high football? I mean, just like completely horrendous moves. We just haven't seen those this year. His only real downfall right now is that he doesn't know how to slide. I mean, he's just taking way too many hits a la Andrew Luck, and he has more concussions and touchdown passes because of it. So like, that's my question to you. Does he end the season with more touchdown passes or concussions? That's a wild question. Um, I'm hoping it's touchdowns because if it's interception or if it's a uh, concussions, it's going to get real ugly real quick for his overall health. I, I think that he's going to find a way in order to make it happen. I don't think he needs to do the Tua uh, level. I don't know if you saw he's like doing some like crazy like jujitsu stuff or something in order to like fall better or whatever. I think that Anthony Richardson just needs to stay in the pocket a little bit more. He's a tall guy, which kind of helps him compared to some of these other rushing type of quarterbacks and i think he just needs to stand up there strong and i think as quentin nelson continues to get healthier and healthier it's just going to help him stay clean as the season goes on i think more quarterbacks need to watch film of tom brady and peyton manning taking sacks because those two it's easy to make fun of when you when you're hating on them because they just crumple like (laughs) tissue paper but they stayed healthy they're you know for more or less their whole career right they they knew this play is dead I can't get the ball out. I'm going to limp body ragdoll myself to the ground so they can't kill me. And you know what? Tom never missed a game with a concussion issue. So uh, yep. you got You got to applaud him on that. I also think that more quarterbacks should try and replicate the two greatest quarterbacks of all time. Fully agree. Fully yeah, agree. Glad, glad we're on the same page. But that's not even a hard thing. You can just like, okay, I turn into wet tissue paper. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. You got Vikings chargers. Uh, this, honestly, there's a lot of games this week that are, Playoff hopefuls that are down bad that need a win uh, to prove to their fan base that they're they're actually trying. Yeah, this is just a compelling matchup. It's the the Chargers and the Vikings are both zero and two. Both have really struggled in order to play defense so far this season. Both have just some questionable decisions as they've been going through this season. Chargers with that uh, fourth down calls with Brandon Staley and then the the Vikings with just like their overall offensive scheme. I think it's very strange that the Chargers are even in this position because it just feels like they should be 2-0. and And like I know they've kind of had the schedule and everything, but it's very weird that they're even here. And then the Vikings, I mean, at the NFC North, the way it is, you got the Packers still competitive. You got the Lions who are roaring right now. It's going to get real ugly for them if they don't end up winning a few games here. So I, I think this will just be a fun, dynamic matchup, even if Austin Eckler doesn't end up suiting up. And I feel like we're just going to see a thousand yards of offense, which will be really fun. It's, this will be all offense, no defense, no special teams, just offense the way football was intended. And the, the line right now, it, it, it's even it's it's an even matchup. So you pick, can't ask pick for your shitter bucket and, you know, who do you want? <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. 
And then you've got one theory. Okay, so we're talking about the the Cowboys start to this season as far as a defense special teams fantasy production goes. You start with they who they, they go Jets. No, they went Giants, Jets, Cardinals. I just want to know what the schedule makers were thinking with this one. How the hell did the Cowboys, the, the most spoiled franchise, if we're being uh, honest with ourselves in terms of fans and just like the way that everything in history is kind of broken out for them. How did they start out with the Giants who put zero points on them, go to the Jets who have no Aaron Rodgers, and then they go to the Cardinals who might be the worst team we've seen in what, like five, six years now? Like, I don't know how they got this just like nice ramp up start to the season. You know, we know more Zeke and everything. We got to figure out our offense and everything. Why did they get gifted this? That, that, that's all I'm asking. I, I, yeah, I just wish I, the Lions started with this, you know? I think that the issue is the way they beat the Giants was, I mean, just complete dismantle of that team. You don't really expect that. It's it's supposed to be two playoff teams facing it off. So you get that. Okay, it's not supposed to be that that big of a bloodbath. They get the Jets. Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be playing. It's supposed to be a tough defense with a much improved offense face, you know, coming to face you at home. The Cardinals was going to be a gimme, but they had to play him regardless because that's just who how their schedules work out uh it, it really should have been if they start three and it's because they're they're firing on all cylinders right now they're three and because they have a pulse and made it to the game yeah i'm just mad you know i, I the lions had to start in kansas city and then they go to uh why am i blanking on who they played last week oh, seattle who get has always given them problems I, I i just wish we had that start but good, good for the good for the cowboys cd lamb's gonna go for 26 catches for 250 yards it's gonna be great it's gonna be a great week all right, we're going to move on to Stardom Sidem, where we're not looking at the obvious people to start. We're looking at the hot takes or, or maybe the, the question marks on your roster. And, and I'm going to start, although I've kind of almost locked him into my roster at this point, if you're unsure, Jordan Addison, A, is the real deal, and B, gets a favorable matchup in a game that they have to win this week. He's been their big play player downfield that we thought maybe it's going to be KJ Osborne this year, but you got to put Jordan Addison in your lineup this week. Can't, can't you just picture J.C. Jackson just getting lost in coverage against? I've, I've seen it. He, he might get a couple picks, but he could also get absolutely just blasted by five yards down the field. Yeah, and I think the thing that I was personally worried about with Addison is with his kind of smaller size, I figured, ah, oh, we're not going to see a touchdown from Addison until week 10, a la Deontay Johnson. No, he's been a touchdown machine so far. He's getting a ton of targets in the red zone. I think that you start Addison with confidence this week. Fully yeah. agree. And then on the opposite side of that, um, I this one's tougher because you you probably picked him as the fifth quarterback, maybe even fourth quarterback off the board. At what point are you confident starting Justin Fields? Because I'm finding ways to get him out of my lineups right now, not you know find ways to convince myself to put him in. Uh, I'm I'm like I'm start trying to start Sam Howell over Justin Fields. That you know people like that just because they're producing and, and Justin's not. I, I don't I don't know what to do with Justin Fields right now. Yeah, and it's tough because like. I feel like if you draft like a Dak Prescott or an Aaron Rodgers or something like that, you're probably hedging and getting a second quarterback just to help you out with the bad matchups. And if you have an injury like Rodgers, you're able to slot him in. But like Fields, you drafted him high enough in your draft where he's probably like you drafted him like the sixth, seventh round or something like that. So you didn't want to hedge. You don't want to waste another roster spot on another quarterback. So I, I hope you're able to go get someone like a Matt Stafford or something like that. But I'm also sitting Justin Fields this week. I, I get it. It's the Chiefs defense which hasn't been like super dynamic so far this year but against quarterbacks at least like Goff didn't have a crazy week one that's for sure last week Trevor Lawrence got held to one of his worst uh, starts ever 
in his career. Like they are definitely doing well against quarterbacks right now. And that's just not making me feel good. for Fields. I, I mean, Houston is in the lineup and the bears offensive line hasn't gotten better uh, since last Sunday. I, I just feel like that D line could feast. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Who do you got for your starting set? Uh, yeah, I just went classic. I went easy and you know, it's, it's start Christian McCaffrey. I'm just kidding. Uh, I go with the guy who's going against one of the softest secondaries in all the NFL right now. And that is Drake London against the Lions secondary. I had some high hopes for the Lions secondary going into this year. A lot of free agency pickups that I thought were going to be really big so far. It's been kind of porous. Even with the terrible receivers in Kansas City in week one, they were getting open. Rasheed Rice was open all day. Kadarius Tony had his drops, but he was getting the ball in space. And so I think that uh, Drake London could have a big, big game this week. He had a bit of a bounce back last week, and I think this week you're able to start Drake London with a lot of confidence. Here's the issue I have right now. I have a team where my two obvious you have to starts are Devontae Smith and Chris Olave, and then my final flex is between... Uh, Drake London and uh, Jordan Addison. Oof. Oof. You got two good options. You have the the best potential thing that you can have. You have a tough choice here, but I don't know. I mean, I'm going to go Drake London. He's always yeah. been my guy. So then another start for me that's got to be Zay Flowers. Uh, the, the rookies, I think, I touted the most this offseason were Addison and Flowers. And man, does it feel good. You know, just pure vindication to see them get off to a hot start. Uh, Zay is stepped up immediately as the number one uh, in Baltimore. We were worried maybe with Mark Andrews coming back that he wouldn't get the usage. He still got the targets. He just didn't find the end zone. You you, you start Zay confidently going forward. I mean, unless there's some reason not to, but I mean, he, he looks the part there. Yeah. Plus Odell got banged up. So it's like, he's probably going to even a bigger target share this upcoming week. And yeah, like the Colts are solid, right? Like they got some good corners and everything, but they're not so good that you feel bad about starting a red hot rookie receiver. I can't believe you said those are your two favorite receivers and not the best receiver in this entire class. Quentin Johnson, who has all of two catches for 16 yards this year. Uh, Big start. I I thought he was going to have a better start. Um, he just felt like a perfect match for the Chargers. Uh, I mean, he's really at the point now he's not going to do anything until either Keenan Allen or Mike Williams gets injured like they do every year. Yeah, it's it's getting generational how bad his start is, like almost Jameson Williams level. It's kind of sad to watch. Uh, yeah, and then, so you got a couple sits for us. Why don't you line them up? Yeah, I don't have enough starts. Like, yeah, you feel you still feel good about the guys you drafted, right? Like, you're not going to start sitting. Kyle Pitts. Oh, wait. Yes, you are going to start setting Kyle Pitts. I'm a little worried about him, even in this matchup. I think the Lions have gotten way better over the interior now that Jack Campbell is there. Just think about that great SWAT that Jack Campbell had in week one. The The pass defense over the middle has just gotten so much better for the Lions. That really makes me worried about Kyle Pitts, who hasn't done diddly squat over two weeks, and it makes me really worried about him. And then I also have to continue to eat crow on Najee Harris, who is starting to look slower than my grandma out there. There's this one play this past week against the Browns where he was reversing field and just like plotted his entire way down there. I'm like, who who took away Najee's speed? He was one of the fastest guys I've ever seen at Bama. And then all of a sudden he's looking like the second coming of Eddie Lacy. Both of those guys are sits for me until they start proving something else. Absolutely. And, and I highlighted Craig Reynolds. Um, I'm nervous for this Lions backfield right now. They have so many options throwing the ball that I, I just think with the uptick of usage that Jameer Gibbs will likely get, I, I just don't know what that means for Craig. It, he might have a 15 touch game. They just completely say, Hey, cool. You're David Montgomery in our eyes, but I could also see them saying, 
we're going to run the ball 10 times or, you know, the extension of our run game is going to be drag routes to Sam Laporta and the occasional flair with Jameer Gibbs and just not really use him. But, you know, some people have to start him almost because Montgomery's down and, you know, Chubb's down, et cetera. Like you might just be between a rock and a hard place. And I would be looking other places. Like I'm picking him over Kareem Hunt because we definitely don't know Kareem Hunt's role this week, but it doesn't feel good having to start Craig Reynolds. Yeah, I... I don't really get the hype on Craig Reynolds. I never really get the hype on the RB threes with the lines. You think of like Zach Ziener. He always had a ton of hype. You think now we have Bam Knight, which people are going gaga over. I just never really understood that hype. And I just don't get the Craig Reynolds three yards per carry hype. It's very strange to me. Do you think maybe we just call up Mikel LaShore and get him back in the building and help the Lions out this year? Illinois legend. Why not? Let's do it. <laughs> Mikel was a beast. You get you get Richard Mendenhall and Mikel ashore in the same backfield. You're going oh to the Rose Bowl. That's all I can say. It's like two semi trucks back there. Why not? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> okay, now we're going to hot takes. I like this. It's a return yeah. of the good old segments. Yeah, I, I didn't have any like cool names or fun things. I was I was in the middle of my work day and just kind of jotted, jotted, jotted some things down. But I figured you could ad lib easy enough. I'm going to start with what I've been saying for three years now, even though I think he's only been here for three years. Brandon Staley's getting fired this week when they lose to the Vikings. Staley needs to go at the end of last season. He's still there. They start 0-3. I think the ownership finally realizes that they are wasting a generational quarterback in Justin Herbert and tell Staley to get out of town. Yeah. I, I can't defend the guy anymore. He used to be a analytics champion, someone that I really looked up to. And I was like, wow, this guy knows how to push the boundaries of football. But man, did he push them in all the wrong ways? And I'm just kind of tired of him really holding back what I think should be a really, really fun Chargers team. Free Justin Herbert. Get him out of the jaws and the grips of Brandon Staley. I'm pretty I mean, you, you and I are both. Well, I'll say data analyst adjacent. You, you know, we're, we're in finance, et cetera. We use data, but we're not pure data scientists. They always say you're only as good as your inputs. Well, Staley's doing all these analytics with some of the worst inputs I've seen on this football field possible. They got to get him out. Let's get some better results. Well, he's also just abandoning it, too. Like the dude is all talk. And then whenever it comes to actually doing something, he just gives up. Like week one, the Chargers had a fourth and two at the 42 yard line of their opponent and they punted. Like, what are you doing? Like, you can't be saying all this stuff like, ah, ha, ha, you know, I'm smarter than everybody. And then just completely being a coward. I don't get it. I just don't. All right. So what do you got for us? I'll, I'll let you, well, we can kind of alternate hot takes here. Yeah, I, I'm just a big Rashid Shahid guy right now. I, I, I was looking at like all the articles this past week about like all oh, the top guys to pick up and everything. And it felt like Rashid Shahid just like wasn't getting the love that he deserved. Dude has an, had an incredible first two weeks, even with all the injuries that the Saints have been having. You know, no Kamara on the suspension. And then we had all the injuries from this past Monday night. And Shahid's just he's just cooking. He had five catches for 89 yards against the Titans, four catches for 63 yards. I feel like if some other wide receiver was doing this, we'd be a little bit more hyped up. I get it. It's a Derek Carr-led offense. But I, I, I think that Olave Shahid, one of the better starting two run, uh, wide receivers in all of the league right now. And I don't yeah, think really. About I think it. the thing holding back the Saints is the number of targets that Michael Thomas is demanding right now. For for some reason, Derek Carr loves Michael Thomas. and It is just not testing defenses with Olave. They didn't move the ball until he finally just said, heck it, Olave down there somewhere. And he made probably the, the best catch of the season to this point uh, with, with a guy draped all over him. 
I think Shahid's in that same boat. I'm with you. I, I've watched actually both Saints games for some reason this year. It's not you know not something I normally do, uh, but every time he's in space, gets the ball, etc., he just looks great. And uh, Michael Thomas is not really looked the part uh just yet i think he's maybe lost a step you know after not playing for two years i, I don't think mt's bad but but i think he should be the third option not the second or, or first right now which it, it seems like he is with Derek carr at the helm yeah mt is just so forgettable and i don't know it's just the most uninspiring seven catch for 55 yard performance i've ever seen he feels like old man antonio brown and like I'm just not excited about having an eight hundred. Dude, even old guy old team. man old man AB was still good. AB was good until the moment he took his his pads off at, at the Jets game. I mean, he was still making plays. Like, I, I honestly, I think AB could step on the field right now and still be perfectly fine. He's just criminally insane. Yeah, absolutely. What else? You uh, got so, for us? Yeah, the next one for me is I, I think the Rams. They beat the Bengals in prime time. You know, they got the Monday or either the Sunday night or the Monday night game. And then I think the Bengals are just in full panic mode at that point. I'm talking like maybe a mix and trade. Like I don't, they're going to feel like they have to shake something up and, and it could get ugly there in Cincinnati. We already talked about it. They could easily fall behind and be the only winless team in that division, which is a very, very tough division. The division could start every, everyone's two and one or even the Ravens three and oh, and then the Bengals are just down there down bad. You have to crawl back through that division. You have to crawl through the Dolphins and the uh, the Bills, the Chiefs. Like, you don't want to be zero three in the AFC right now. Yeah, I'll be drinking to their downfall. I will be all about that, and I will be first in line to the Joe Burrowverated fan club. Not going to see you really. Ha- you really had to force that in there, didn't you? Absolutely, every single time. Uh yeah, it's it's been interesting so far. I just like looking up and down the standings. We got the NFC South, three two and O teams, just as we all expected. The AFC North only has one two and O team. I really expected them to kind of all be undefeated at this point. But yeah, the Bengals, as we detailed out, really, really between a rock and a hard place right now. And it's it's not just the Week One mirage like we had last year. It's kind of looking like it might persist for a while. So they they got to win this game, big time. Uh, I, I just like a question for you, and it might be a dumb question, but I just want to like make sure I'm not insane here. You can cut Nick Chubb at this point, right? Like he's definitively out for the season. There's yes, no way they, he's no, coming that, back. They, they said that night he was out for the season. If you watch the injury happen, no human being is coming back within the next six months from what I, happened to him. I just think there's no worse feeling in fantasy than like dropping a guy that they're like, oh, yeah, he's out for the season. And then like later on, they're like, oh, he's making a miracle comeback. He's having that Adrian Peterson five month recovery. So, OK, I'm going to start dropping Nick Chubb in places because I need the IR spot. There, but I'm there isn't enough steroids in this world to recover, like to restructure his knee and the time it takes for him to be fantasy playoff relevant. Okay. Okay. Just making sure I feel better about it now. My, my last hot take here is not really a hot take, but. Fantasy stats are so dang fraudulent, dude. Like right now, Russell Wilson is the QB four in fantasy. And if anybody who's watched Russell Wilson, you're like, how? He's not looked good so far this year. He's had a half that looked good, but he hasn't had two complete games by any means. And he is the fourth quarterback in all of NFL for total points. What's crazy about it, too, is he had that big Hail Mary at the end of the game last week. If he doesn't complete that Hail Mary, he drops from QB4 to QB13. And our perception of him is completely changed in just one play. So I don't know. Just keep that in mind as you go through the next few weeks. You know, we got Jordan Love, who's QB2, and a lot of other just like weird stats. Things will normalize a little bit. Don't panic too much. But uh, it's just crazy how much of a mirage some of this can be. 
Yeah. Um, I, I'll kind of counterpoint that where you say some fantasy stats are fraudulent. I think they're spot on. Who is QB1 right now? Do you know? I don't. Kirko Chains, MF and Kirk Cousins. And you know what? Without Kirk Cousins, that Vikings team is, I mean, an absolute shell right now. So I think the stats are perfect because Kirk is the only reason we even know who the Vikings are right now. Is he on pace for like 6,000 yards? It's an insane. Yeah, it's insane. It's it's like the, the best passing season ever because they literally cannot run the ball. That's a great question. We have a second here. Who's the first quarterback to throw for 6,000 yards in a season? Now that we have 17 games, now that we have quarterbacks going crazy all the time, who goes for six? six it's Kirk Cousins, dude, when he averages 375 a game for 17 games. Is that all it takes? 375 for 17? Let's see. I'm bad at math. I'm bad at doing 17 as a divisor. 352. That's all you need. <laughs> That's it. This casually some guy's best uh, NFL performance ever, every single week for an entire season. I mean, it's got to be Mahomes is going to be the most likely, right? Like, how close did Breeze get in a sixteen game season? What was his best? Like a fifty six hundred? I mean, I think the most we've ever seen is like fifty four hundred. I'm looking it up right now. I would argue six thousand never gets hit. Fifty four seventy seven by Peyton Manning in twenty thirteen. I mean, I think 50, 56 has to be the, the mark right now, or maybe 57, 50, like 6,000. That's that's asking a lot because you're yeah. also so damn good. You don't need to play the last two games if you're throwing for 350 a game. Yeah, you're or your team's so bad, that all you're doing is throwing. Yeah, absolutely. I could just totally see Mahomes just going absolutely absurd for a good like six, seven game stretch. Like remember like Brady? in the last like six games of that buck season where they won the super bowl and he just like really started yeah, yeah it was unbelievable and, and then he like, did it pretty much the entire next season except for against the saints and that cost him the mvp over rogers yeah exactly so like i feel like if a guy just gets that rhythm going where it looks so effortless and you're just cooking defenses that are actually really dang good and you make them look like college uh college defenses i don't think it's impossible i don't think it's yeah, outside but, the realm of possibility. And, in all fairness who has the weapons to do that and, and i will make the argument i know one team that has the weapons to make a six thousand yard season happen it is not the chiefs because kelsey is not going to get you 150 yards a game right it's and after that was what sky Moore maybe is like that's not going to happen right it's I think it's the Vikings. You have Justin Jefferson, you have Jordan Addison, you have TJ Hawkinson, you have KJ Osborne as a, a distant third, but still a respectable wide receiver three. I think that's the team yep. that has the weapons. I think that's the team that doesn't have the defense required to need that much passing. Um, but yeah, to your point, I think the Dolphins are probably a close second. Yeah, maybe that should be the hot take. Kirk Cousins, 6,000 yards. Dude, if he does it, if he does it, I'm buying so many Eddie Bauer shirts to celebrate with him. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, getting all the Coles cash. I don't even know what I'll show up to his, his beach house on Lake Michigan and just, just party. Are you, are you going to change your middle name to an F name? So you can be like KFC, like Kirk cousins. Exactly. Dude. Did you see his, his KFC commercial? Yeah, it was really incredible. It was incredible. Oh, you like Kirk cousins licking his fingers on TV. I I love him licking his fingers, but I just loved the the end where they're like, KFC, that's what it stands for. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. It just, it, it was one of those like boomer jokes that made me chuckle. It's white boy summer for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I think we're out of shit to talk about. Let's let's let the people go. Let, let the people be free. Hey, back to back pods. No F words. Let's go. I'm so proud of you. I'm, I you. can't believe how proud I am of you. I am. But uh, you have a good one, everybody. Bye.